Trinity Baptist Church. I'm going to be real with you. Once I believed that obedience to God's commands guaranteed me the relationships and the possessions I wanted. I thought God would give me prosperity because my perceived self-righteousness had earned it. I was trapped in a false sense of entitlement. I would ask for and accept whatever anyone would give me, clothes, money, time, and I would not consider the cost to them. I became a leech, and instead of being diligent or disciplined, especially with finances, instead I was careless, wasteful, and greedy. I used people, I manipulated them, and I let others pay my debts or ignored some debts altogether until it cost me my closest relationships. Then Jesus found me, and he reminded me that even if I had nothing and no one, I still had him, and I would always have him. And even more than that, there is still time to repent, to live truthfully, and to make up what is lacking, because the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. Today, I'm full of hope. My name is Francisco Rolis, and I'm new. And now a reading from the book of John. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with, with, not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Until I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Word of the Lord. Boy, that was some testimony. Did you hear what he said? Thank you, Francisco, for being so open and so honest such transparency. It's very powerful. My name is Fred Atkins. I'm an elder at Trinity Baptist Church, and every so often they uh, ask us to come up and preach. Sometimes we do it once or twice a year, and it's a, it's a privilege to do it. Uh, let's pray. Father, uh, I know that sometimes my heart is cold and not soft but hard. I know that sometimes our minds will be dull and not alert. Sometimes we will be anywhere but listening to your Holy Spirit. But Lord, I pray that our hearts will be opened. Our minds will be clear thinking And we will be prompted by the Holy Spirit to grasp a hold of your message, of your word. Not only will we be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, 
So when you were a kid and you were being raised up, or even now, what did they say about you? What was some of the stuff that was put into your heart and mind in the sense of maybe labels or judgments? You know how she is. She's too shy. and She's never going to be a people person, so don't even go into that area. Look how he is. He's so clumsy and two left feet. I don't even think about going into athletics or, or dance. Or, or he is the bright one. He's going to succeed. He's really the pride of our family, and, and we have all our hopes in him. What labels were brought to your tender heart that you have received, positive or negative, that have influenced you in your behavior and your thinking? Think for a moment. What do you really believe about yourself because of other people? Give it a thought. What I'd like to do is look at three conversations between Jesus and Thomas. God bless you. (laughs) Well, it is a family thing, right? (laughs) One conversation will be the commitment to Christ. One will be a confusion regarding Christ, and one will be a crisis in who is Christ. This is a series on relationships, but one of the things that I want to bring forth is our relationships, husband to wife, sister to brother, neighbor to neighbor, colleague, Whatever the relationships will reveal the ultimate relationship that we have. And that's with Christ. When I treat my wife in a certain way, or however I treat her, reveals what I really believe in my relationship to Jesus. The same thing is with my colleagues, my work, my friends, my neighbors, all of it. The same thing with you. If we really want to know what we believe in Christ, watch our relationships and what comes out of them. And I think it's important to see the struggle that Thomas had in his relationship to Jesus. Because that's our struggle. Last week, Dave talked about Uh, Jonathan and David, and one of the things that I wanted to, to kind of piggyback on was that they both were committed to God. These guys looked at each other and said, he's a kindred spirit. He's putting everything he has into this relationship to honor God and to obey him. Jonathan was like that, and David was like that. And these guys really hooked up, and then David Page shared with us issues of friendship. 
The first conversation is the commitment to Jesus. Now, let's go into a background here. So Jesus and the guys, the guys meaning the disciples, are outside of Judea because they're kind of distant because in Judea, Jesus is a marked man. They got a wanted poster for him. They are planning and plotting to kill him and by logical inference, his followers, the disciples. It's not a safe place to go. And the disciples know it. So, Jesus gets a message from Mary and Martha saying, your friend, my brother, Lazarus, is in trouble. And Jesus says to his disciples, chill, we're going to hang. And so he stays there for a period of time. And then he says, you know, it's time to go. We're going to visit Lazarus. And scripture says, and Jesus says, this will be another opportunity to believe in me. Okay. Finally, after two days, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to Judea, Judea again. Think about if you're following this guy. And you know the powers are after him. This is no joke. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. First of all, his influencing, think about this, he's the one speaking out and he's influencing all his friends around him. Your faith, my faith, influences the people around us or the lack thereof. But he says, let's go. This is what I call an all-in concept. Many years ago, before I was a Christian, I was working up in Tahoe, in Nevada, in construction. And because there was no place to hang out, we didn't have any place to stay, I belonged to a gambling casino. And to use their facilities and to have good meals and all that kind of stuff. And every so often, I would get involved in poker. And if you play poker and you got all these people around the table, there are some times when you look at your hand and you think, I got it. This is a winning hand. So what do you do? You take all your chips, and the concept is an all-in concept. I'm all in. I've got the winning hand. That's the mindset of Thomas. Thomas is, is fearful because of his thinking and it makes sense from his perspective that if, they go, if he goes with Christ, they're dead. There's the reality of that, the way he sees it, the way he anal analyzed it. And yet his all-in approach is, I'm going with him. Even if we die and says, let's die with him. That's an all-in mentality. So what happens? They go to 
Mary and Martha. And Thomas's greatest fear, it appears from scripture, is I'm a dead man. And the revelation that God gives him from the all-in perspective is, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Scripture says, Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? And Thomas, does this deal with your greatest fear? All in. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table several years ago. Nothing dramatic is happening. I'm an elder. I've gone on missionary trips and do all kinds of stuff in church. And I'm sitting there and I get convicted. Fred, are you all in? Well, I do all this stuff. I give you my time. I give you my uh, treasure. I give you my doings, if you will. Not the question. Fred, are you, are you, church, all in? Not the doing, not the giving, but you, me. For years, I rationalized, not all in. What were my fears? From my background and that, that kind of judgment and labeling, I dealt with depression, guilt, and anxiety. Depression, I dealt with by therapy and medication. Guilt, I dealt with delving into the word and realizing that there is no guilt, there is no condemnation. But it took me a while to come around with that. But the anxiety stayed until the quiet of my heart, I said, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. Whatever that means. I'm willing. I'm certainly not perfect. But I'm in. And all three of those fears are gone. It doesn't mean I don't get sad. It doesn't mean I don't feel guilty if I do something wrong. It doesn't mean that I don't get nervous over something that is appropriately. But I'm saying that stuff is no longer. What does the book of James say on this? If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. No bargaining. Not the best deal. Not what makes sense to me. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. 
Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided. They're not all in between God and the world, and they're unstable. They're not all in in everything they do. Christ had an all-in moment. Christ had an all-in moment. We see at the Mount of Olives, I quote, He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please, please take this cup of suffering from me. Please. Yet I want your will be done, not mine. That's the all-in statement. How are we all in? Obedience. Christ says, I only do what my dad tells me. Obedience. Christ says that if you love him, obey him. Obedience. All in. And the reason I kind of hammer this is I believe that it's foundational. If we're not all in this way, not standing on the rock of the strongest foundation that we can. Next conversation. I call confusion about Christ, about Jesus. I'm a retired maths teacher, middle school math. So I'm up in front of these kids and I'm doing an algebra lesson. And I got to tell you, awesome. No, 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 no. Just, just, I thought to myself, Fred, you rock. I got stuff going up there and I'm just going along and I think, wow, how clear can you be? So, I thought I should be polite and ask the kids, are there any questions? Knowing that there couldn't be any because I rock. Maria raises her hand. You see, Maria is all in because she wants the education that she's looking for. And she says, Mr. Atkins, yes, Maria. (laughs) Uh, No disrespect, but uh, within the first five minutes, you lost me and I think most of the class. I don't understand a word you did. I don't get this algebra. And what are you talking about? What courage. What courage for a middle school girl to raise her hand and to expose what the other students could make fun of, challenge her self-esteem, but she said, I don't get it. What courage. What determination. I read from scripture, don't be troubled, 
You trust God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this was not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know, you know, you know where I am going and how to get there. That's Christ speaking. And he's telling them, you got it. Hmm. Thomas the student raises his hand. Uh, no, we don't. Is he contradicting Christ? No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Wow. What courage from Thomas. And I believe it's coming from the mindset that he's all in. And when something's confusing, he's not going to let it go by. Why? Because he's committed. I don't get it. And he speaks for all of them. He says, we don't know what influence you and I have when we struggle with our own issues of faith. And we haven't any idea. He speaks for them all. Thomas. See, the real question, I believe, is for Thomas, that's not spoken, is I don't know who you are, Jesus. Now, he spent a whole bunch of time with him. Because, you see, if Thomas knew where he was, then he would know where he comes from and where he's going. So the deep question here is, who are you? And Christ brings out an I am response. Jesus told him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Let's pull that apart a little bit. What does that mean? I am the way to heaven. I am the way to God. I am the way to the Father. I am the way that opens up the door to all the promises of God. I am the way. And what does this I am the truth mean? If we pull that apart a little bit. I am the truth that you and I are loved unconditionally, freeing us from rejection and abandonment. I am the truth that you and I are saved by grace alone, freeing us from the thought that we have to save ourselves. I am the truth that you and I are, have a new birth, freeing us from the past because you and I are a new creation in Christ. I am the truth that he is our resurrection, freeing us from the fear of dying and death. I am the truth of the second coming, freeing you and I from the anxieties of the future. And he says, I am the life. 
His word through the Holy Spirit will bring life to each of us and we will have life full and abundant. When we struggle like Thomas struggles, we will get deeper and deeper revelations of God himself into our lives. The third conversation. A crisis in the, in the identification. Who is this Jesus? I looked up crucifixion. We don't want nothing to do with that. It's horrifying. They scourged Christ. Basically, they skinned him alive. Then they took whatever that was and stuck in these thorns to make a crown and sometimes that would have edema that you could head would swell. So now you've got a skinned non-human looking up on that cross. Oh one does not want anything to do with crucifixion. And Thomas and the disciples saw that and Thomas knew what he saw and all hope was gone. It was done for him. And yet, Thomas was selected. One of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the uh, the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Uh, He's not going to take any of what they say. He needs this to be as real as possible for him. They've already seen him, the risen Christ. He has not. It's no credit to them that they believe. They've encountered the risen Christ. Thomas has not. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He said, peace be with you. No rebuke. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, the one that was specifically selected not to be at the original meeting. You think it's by chance he's not there? Do you think somebody miscounted? Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And then we get this statement from Thomas. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen Me, blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. Why was Thomas not at the original meeting? Why him? It's not by chance. I believe, I think, 
Because he's all in. How do we know that? Scripture tells us. And if there's confusion in his, in his mind about things that are going on, he'll raise his hand and say, I need to know. And he was the one specifically left out so that we could have the following message. First, this is the uh, declaration of the divinity of, of Jesus as God. This is straight up, my Lord and my God. And if you give me a little latitude, I think at some point when Jesus looked at Thomas and said, you believe because you see, I think he looked over Thomas's shoulder, if you will, into the future, into this congregation, into you and to me and said, blessed are you because you believe and have not seen Jesus in person. Looking over Thomas's shoulder, if you will. The first encounter or conversation we had is an I am statement from Christ and resurrection. And Thomas was all in. We decide if we will to be all in. The second encounter is I am statement and it is I, I am the way the life and the truth, an I am statement. But the third is not that. The third statement is, you are Lord. You are God. A revelation. Christ is in you and I, therefore he is among us. His word is alive and Jesus is the word. If you want to connect with Jesus, you connect with this. If you want to know Christ, you put your heart and your soul and your mind into this and live this word out because it's the living word. Christ was the word. Scripture empowered by the Holy Spirit will guide you and me this moment, this hour, this day. We need to pursue an all-consuming worship of the living God. Repent before Jesus. I continuously thank God that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy there because I'm willing but I'm not perfect and I continuously say, Lord, help me. And I continuously run there. Where else would we go? Be in awe of Jesus. Love Jesus. Trust him. Delight in Jesus because he says, if you abide in my word, the truth will set you and me free. We too are specifically selected like Thomas so that in our life, our circumstances, our struggles, our victories, our successes and our failures, we are at the crossroad in our search for the truth that we find in Christ. And he implores us to have an all-in attitude. They have a word in Kenyawandan. 
my wife and the gang is over in Rwanda. And it means wow or awesome or marvelous. And in some ways, when this revelation comes to you, you can speak a word that says, yay, Baba way. I'm amazed. I'm in awe. May we take his word, take this message, and for you and I, may God give us the grace and the desire, but we bring in the will to be obedient and to say, you are my Lord and my God. Let's pray. Father, again, I've had a very hard time with this message personally. It is, it can be, your word can be very convicting, but freeing. It can be challenging, but empowering. It can take our breath away and give us new life. I pray again, Lord, for myself and for all who heard this message that we will not only be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.